Grab a six pack, sit back, and prepare to laugh. It's Joe Dasher's podcast. Grab a six pack, sit back, and prepare to laugh. It's Joe Dasher's podcast. Grab a six pack, sit back, and prepare to laugh. It's Joe Dasher's podcast. Grab a six pack, sit back, and prepare to laugh. It's Joe Dasher's podcast. Yeah! So hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 191 of the Oh, I almost said Jig Game Podcast. Drunk Dash Nerds Podcast. Uh, so, uh, crazy things going on right now. I am Tyler. I'm your host. Um, a lot of shit going on right now. Uh, so, we got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, a couple days ago, if you didn't see the show on Thursday, it came out uh, 190. I had like a little 15 minute rant going on. Uh, going over real quick. Uh, we have decided to go back to the Drunk Dash Nerds name. If people didn't know this, we used to be the Drunk Dash Nerds podcast uh, pre- uh, before we went to Gen Gaming, uh, and we were we were a lot better off with that with that name. And uh, so we decided to go back to it because I think we felt more of what we were, uh, mostly because I like to drink while I podcast, and I'm drunk right now because we've been talking for an hour and fifty minutes before we even started po- uh, podcasting. Um, but uh, we started going with that name. I think it's going to help us a lot better in, in the long run of the show, build the audience. But also, a cool thing we're going to do, and I lied to you guys a little bit on Thursday, if you listen to the Thursday show, uh, is I said that we went we went over our Lipsons account. I actually um, raised our Lipsons account, and it um, uh, it uh, we were able to release a show on normal time on uh, Sunday. So this show, obviously, is coming out Sunday, uh, 191. And then on Tuesday, January 31st, uh, episode one of the original Drunk Dash Nerds podcast from way back in 2013 uh, will be coming out. Um, so check check that out. That's pretty cool. Uh, I'm, I'm excited for people to hear that show and see what they say about it because it's an interesting time. It's our first show ever. First time I ever talked to Gables. Um, so it's I'm excited. I, I want to hear what people say about that show. But joining me is we have... The Jack of Hearts. What's up, buddy? Gable. I am coming from my studio recliner from the bottom of my mom and dad's basement from all the way in Port Angeles, Washington. I am fucking fantastic. How are you, Tyler? I'm doing all right, man. I'm doing all right. I have been drinking in the bottom of my mom and dad's basement. Uh, beer. Oh, I just just dropped my beer. I just took the beer. Oh, boy. Oh, Oh, man. Uh, I just dropped the beer. No, I am doing all right. I am drinking a arrogant bastard wussy. I don't even know what that means, but I'm drinking it. I'm drinking a few of them. Uh, I'm doing all right, all right. But unfortunately, Justin's not here this week. Uh, he's a bit busy. He's got some important matters going on right now. But joining us uh, for the first time ever, and hopefully not the last time ever, we have Troy from New Mexico. What's, How are you? What is the business? I was going to say, recording live from the second floor of my townhouse on the campus of New Mexico State University. <laughs> yeah, I had to keep the house. theme alive. Uh, yeah, so they we have what's called family housing on campus. It's a pretty good-sized campus, and so they have a couple choices. They got these, and they were all built in the 1960s. So uh, you remember your elementary school? Oh, you yeah. remember how the walls were, yes. like, 
cinder blocks, you yeah. know. Uh-huh. Uh, that's how my house is, and it's a, it's a two story townhouse. And the craziest thing is is the the floor between the the ground floor and the second floor is also concrete. So if you're sitting downstairs in the living room and you look up at the ceiling, it's it's a patchwork of of freaking cinder blocks. It's the craziest. I don't know how they did it. My my father in law sitting there looking at the ceiling and he's like, how how did they do that? Like how did they build <laughs> that like that? It's insane. It's I mean the it was built in the 1960s, but it's it's pretty dope and it's like super cheap. And I live on campus, so I work on campus. I live on campus. I have almost no reason to leave this campus. Everything's within walking distance. Uh, rent is super. I pay six hundred and sixty dollars a month. I have a two-story, two-bedroom townhouse. All of my utilities are included, including cable and internet. My internet sucks, like bad, but I don't pay for it, so I really can't bitch. Right. Do you need need a roommate at all? Because I'm glad to move. Well, I'm in the spare bedroom. It's it's actually the office slash you know streaming room slash podcasting room. So uh, I don't really next to you while you podcast. It's fine. I do have a little couch in here. It's like a little love seat because we ran out of space downstairs for all of our furniture. It's a pretty sweet di- pretty sweet gig, I, I got to say. I, I think you should just find a reason to stay four more years. You know, I can, uh, I've can. i thought about, so I'm, I'm going to be graduating in May with my master's in business administration. I have seriously considered sticking around and getting my PhD because why the hell not? I've been back at school since 2010, um, so for damn near the majority of a decade i i don't know anything but being a student i'm actually terrified of going out into the world and getting a job at this point and i do it really well i'm a very good student i mean a 4.0 gpa like i mean i i am good at it so i could see myself doing it some more and getting a phd Uh, plus i i like to be called dr troy i like that idea that's good because i'm terrified of going to work every day so i understand the feeling uh, <laughs> and i've been going there for a while uh but no no this is the first time you join us you this is not your first um parade or whatever you want fuck, i'm a little drunk this is not your first time doing a podcast you're not, it's not a my first rodeo yeah, yeah. I've, I've actually i mean I'm, i wouldn't say i'm seasoned but i've been on a few podcasts in my day um i used to podcast with joypadme.com uh the Jamcast that that site still exists. That podcast still exists. You should go give those guys listens. They're actually based out of the UK. I was the token American guy. And that worked out pretty well for a while. <laughs> and also currently, uh, I can be found over at ProvenGamer.com, where I'm one of the hosts on the Trophy Horse podcast, uh, which is a PlayStation-centric podcast. Uh, people may or may not recognize. I don't know how many of the Drunk Nerds listeners go back back into time, but uh, the Trophy Horse podcast actually started out as a community cast on Sargastic Gamer. So uh, there's a lot of history there. They've been around for quite a while, and they're making it happen. Yeah. Uh, and, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, like uh, Jake back in the day and Gables and I were all Sargastic Gamer listeners, so we all know what that is. So oh, yeah. I think uh, a decent chunk of our listeners have probably came from that uh, that that uh genre that, that, that yeah genre. i feel like i feel like there's a lot of familiarity in our circles um it's actually really funny because uh at provengamer.com we also have a wrestling podcast called the smart marks and yeah. i um i uh <laughs> i actually know those guys personally they're from Roswell, new mexico which is my hometown and uh so like i went to high school with those guys and it's kind of dope that they their podcast actually got picked up by proving game before i actually became uh, a permanent host on on the trophy horse podcast so it's kind of neat uh, that we're all together on Proven Gamer. 
But um, damn it, I forgot where I was going with that. You're right. What were we talking about? Oh yeah, no. Uh, so I just uh, so you know we all uh, we talk about the ship right here, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. We don't. Okay. Cool. So yeah, we're all you know part of Talking Ship, and you know Talking Ship. So basically, when Sarcastic Gamer imploded, you know a lot of people kind of went their separate ways in, in a lot of ways. Like, you know, Big Red Barrel came out of that, which was probably the largest chunk of the staff that, that you know, Jump yeah. Ship went there. Uh, talking Ship is definitely something that came out of, you know, everything that was happening around that time. It was a little separate, but also, you know, like a lot of us migrated, you know, in different directions. Uh, Proving Gamers sp- split off of that. There's the uh, Three Tall Nerds, which was a splinter group off of a splinter group. I mean, it, 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 everybody kind of got experience with Sarcastic Gamer and kind of, you know, went into the wind and, and created stuff. I mean, Extra Life is a great example of something that came out of you know Definitely, sarcastic yeah. gamer and then just just built on it, it an existence of its own you know so so a lot of the good came out of that community but I invited these two guys uh, uh, Jeremy Holman and Matt Salgado they're actually two of the newest members to the Talking Ship community on Facebook because I like to be real selective you know when I invite somebody into the ship I have to I have to vet them you know I have to under because <laughs> the ship has a, a particular personality you know and. Yes. and it's not for everybody. So like I've, I've invited personally three people, not including my wife. So I, I, I put my wife into the group because I was always showing her the posts anyway. And I was like, this way they just pop up naturally. You can, you know, see them. You don't have to interact with the group, but you, you just need to see some of the things that get posted. Um, Thomas Lynch, who I, I did invite, I went to high school with him. I think he's a good fit. Like he, he, he participates a lot. He posts a lot, you know, I think, I think his personality fits really well. And then so now, uh, two days ago, I invited uh, Jeremy Holman and Matt Salgado, who are the hosts of the Smart Marks podcast at ProvingGamer.com, which is a wrestling podcast. But th- I think they're going to be a good fit, too. But, yeah, it's one awesome. of those things. <laughs> the whole world, it, it, it's big, and yet it's just really small. Yeah, for the kind of going deep a little bit, when we were talking about changing the name of the podcast uh, before with the Junk Dash Nerds, um, we were discussing going to the Pretty Very podcast. Uh, the PVP, the PVP podcast was a uh, potential title for the show. Uh, then I put in the in the in the talking ship group. I like, hey, is a pretty very thing a inside joke? And I found out. Yeah, I saw that actually. Yeah, and uh, I actually turned into it. And I was like, oh, this is an inside joke. So this is definitely not a good podcast name uh, outside of the, the talking ship guys. So that is a reason why I posted that that comment and that that post. Um, but yeah, that's that, that's kind of a reason why and. You know, like, like, so if you can, real quick, I don't know if I, I mentioned a little bit already, but we've changed name, so you might be confused if you didn't listen to the last show that came out a couple days ago, um, we are Drunk Dash Nerds again, um, and a big part of that is, is just the fact that we, the Chin Gaming name doesn't make a lot of sense, uh, to us, as far as who we are, uh, Gables, Justin, Jake, and I, uh, we are all guys in our mid to late 20s. Uh, if it was a guy, it was a show with, with people in their teens, twenties, thirties, forties. That makes more sense, but it doesn't for us. Um, and I'm drunk right now, so it makes a lot more sense. You know what I mean? Uh, it just so, fits. Yeah, uh, we're nerds, and at least I'm drunk. So one third of the, the podcast is drunk, so it makes it makes a little more sense than gaming ever did. And also, it makes it a little more recognizable and doesn't tie us down to gaming because. We, we like to talk about more than just video games. Um, especially me, and I know uh, talking to Troy before the show, we talked for a little while before the show uh, about you know things not just politics, other things outside of video games, movies, whatever. So um, it doesn't tie us down. 
to just video games. But um, this is primarily still going to be a video game show. Um, if it turns into something more, we don't know. Uh, we have other ideas what we want to do outside of just this podcast. And as those ideas come in the form, uh, we will let you guys know. And uh, we will definitely, uh, you know, like I said, tell everybody. And uh, we're working on our ideas. We have a, there's a lot of big things coming to the Drunk Dashers podcast. This isn't just a name change. This is going to be um, some potentially big things for the show. Um, but sticking with kind of the typical form of the show, we're going to jump into what we've all been playing over the last little bit. Um, Troy, you join us for the first time. Uh, tell us what you've been playing for the last 30-something years. <laughs> wow yeah that's that would take a while way to put them in the how, about I, how about if i narrow it down to like 2017 at this point that's uh, or I, I guess I, yeah i could i mean i could give a little background on my gaming i, yeah, I think that's that. so i mean i personally i'm 36 years old so if there's ever time to come onto a podcast that was formerly known as the generation gaming podcast uh this is the time to do it because uh, i could actually help fill in that generational void uh I've been a gamer since I was oh, probably six or seven years old. Um, I actually told this story not too long ago. Um, my parents are definitely the the linchpin of how I became a gamer. My dad and mom uh, bought an NES uh, back in the mid-80s. Uh, they were obsessed with The Legend of Zelda, the very first Legend of Zelda game. So if my parents hadn't had an obsession with Legend of Zelda, I may not have ever been become a gamer. Um, so I got my start with an NES, you know, and... And then, you know, went through everything, you know, just like normal people. Actually, I I got into PC gaming for a while, uh, kind of in the earlier days, uh, like Wolfenstein 3D, Doom, stuff like that. I was huge into flight simulators, uh, games of the, of the ilk. Um, so when, what, uh, so my dad had a Sega Genesis. So I got to play Sega Genesis when I went to my dad's house. But uh, in my house... Uh, the NES was the last console we had until I picked up a PlayStation 1 and my little brother got a Nintendo 64. So I kind of skipped over. I, I haven't played many uh, Super Nintendo games. Uh, I did play quite a bit of Sega Genesis games. Uh, my dad had the Sega Channel, which was kind of dope at the time. Whoa. And actually thinking about nice. it, like that's actually Whoa. like super Whoa. dope. <laughs> Hold up there. The Sega Channel? <laughs> You know, that is fucking crazy. Have you not heard of the Sega Channel? I've heard of the Sega Channel. That's what makes it so crazy as shit, because that was only, like, for for people who actually had decent, like, internet thing for that, uh, what was it for, like, like the Nomad or something like that? It, something? No, so Sega Channel was literally a channel, like... It was a cartridge that plugged into the top of the Genesis, and it, the, the coaxial cable came out of the wall and plugged into the thing. Like, there was there was no internet, like... All, all the data came through the coax cable. Like it was probably a precursor to digital internet as we know it today, um, where you you would plug it or, or early digital internet. I mean, I still have a coax cable. I get standard definition cable. Once again, I don't pay for it, so I can't bitch about it because <laughs> it's free. But <laughs> I don't get HD, unfortunately. The only HD I get is through my over-the-air antenna. But yeah, like it, it. So it had this cartridge thing that plugged into the normal cartridge slot, but it, it hooked into your wall like like a cable box did, and each month they would rotate the games and you could just totally download the games onto this thing uh, and play games off the, basically off the internet. It was, it was revolutionary and it was actually That's pretty crazy. dope. Like even thinking about it today, like the technology for its time was like insane. So yeah, the second channel was pretty dope. <laughs> I, I just never thought I'd have to actually sit here and explain how the second channel worked. Yeah, that was, that was really cool. Uh, sitting in my dad's room or in my, in my, uh, Stepbrothers' room playing the Sega Channel on the Sega Genesis. Now, the reason why I, 
I knew about it and start real quick uh, Gables. It's okay, Tyler. Go ahead. I have known about the thing for like 25 years and still to this day whenever I hear anything about it, it blows my mind. Like, yeah, that sounds amazing dope. and I wish it was, that was a thing today. It was dope as hell. I mean, it was a precursor to everything we do online now. Yeah. Uh, you do, you weren't playing multiplayer games, but yeah, like it would rotate the, the every month. It was It was almost like a Netflix sort of thing. Like there was a list of games that were available and then every month they would switch out games, you know, here and there. And yeah, you just have new games each month to play. That's sound. That's kind of unlimited. Sounds- that's, that almost sounds kind of like how Nintendo did, like, say, with Satellaview and stuff like that for uh, Japan, where it was basically sort of the same concept, where you could download certain random games and stuff like that on there, like, say, from, like, different Kirby games or for this and that. But the thing about the carts was you could only fill up, like, one particular cart with, like, yeah. a, a particular game data and stuff like that. And if you were trying to download another, it would just rewrite over it. Yeah, so I mean, this one it was like on the fly. Like you had a you had a menu, a user interface, and you would just pick the game you want, and it would it would load that game up, and you'd play that game, and then you know you could reset it and play a different game, whatever. I don't know, I can't remember how it handled saves if it handled saves at all. Uh, huh. But you know, at the time we were just blowing through games. I mean, if you had fifteen games on the, the Sega Channel, you'd may have you know one or two games that you really really wanted to play, and then you just sit and right. marathon them, you know, and you jump over the next game. But yeah, it was super dope for its time. <laughs> uh, and then yeah, I had a PS One. Um, and then I, I mean, I, I've been primarily a PlayStation gamer when it comes to console gaming for a long time. I've had the PlayStation one, had the PlayStation two. I currently own two PlayStation threes. I have a PlayStation four, got that at launch. I have two Vitas. Um, I had two PSPs. I got rid of those. Um, (laughs) well, okay. So uh, the way I got my Vita, I got my Vita at launch day. Uh, there's a retailer that actually just went out of business. And once I tell you the story, you may get an idea of why it went out of business. There's this retailer called Hastings. You mm-hmm. may have heard of it. Uh, yes. they, they would have deals online called, they had their website was called gohastings.com. Yes. Uh, but they, they were also a brick and mortar store and they were, they would sell books, music, movies, you know, they did rental movies. Uh, it was, you know, kind of a pop culture kind of store. They would sell like toys and stuff like that. But, um, the launch of the Vita, they had a deal where if you traded in a PSP, they would give you $100 towards a, a, a new Vita. And I had two two PSPs at the time. I had a PSP 1000, like literally a launch PSP. Uh, and then I had one of the newer, like two or 3000 model PSPs. And they were giving you $100 credit no matter what you traded in. And I think I spent 60 mm. bucks on that PSP 1000. Like I bought it on eBay for like 60 bucks. So I was like, well, they're going to give me a hundred bucks to trade it in for a Vita. So I was like, I can't get a deal like that anywhere else. So I traded in my PSP 1000 for, you know, a hundred dollar credit towards my Vita. Uh, so I got that. And then I actually handed my other PSP down to my stepson and he's in Germany now. And I think he still got the Vita or not the Vita, the PSP. Um, so yeah, but it was funny too. Cause I was actually, I, I've been, <laughs> So moving along in my <laughs> history of gaming, um, I've been playing, I've been streaming. Uh, I have a massive backlog of games of, of all types. And uh, also a lot of games like, cause the PSNs had a bunch of flash sales, you know, mm-hmm. and they have like all these classic PS1 classic games for like two bucks. So I built up a, a collection of the majority of like the Final Fantasy games and the Chrono Trigger, Chrono Cross and, and uh, Sweek It In and all these JRPGs that I never really spent much time playing. Um, so right right now on the Twitch stream that I'm doing for Proven Gamer uh, at twitch.tv slash Proven Gamer, I've been playing through Final Fantasy 1. Um, mm. So uh, one of the games that I have that I bought on the Flash sale was Soviet Strike. I don't know if you're familiar with like Desert Strike, Urban Strike, Jungle Helico- Strike. Helicopter game? 
Yeah, the helicopter okay. game. So, like, I'm like, I've got Soviet Strike and Nuclear Strike, which were two PS1 games that came out. And I was like, oh, I'd really like to go back and play Desert Strike because that was actually, now that I'm thinking about it, Desert Strike was a game that I first played on the Sega channel on the Sega Genesis. Wow. Um, yeah, so it was a Sega Genesis game, but it was like, yeah, you're flying around an Apache helicopter flying around the desert, you know, doing all this stuff. And I was like, oh, it'd be really cool to play the whole Strike series on my stream. So I was like, where can I play, you know, can I get Desert Strike, you know, available anywhere on a Sony platform? And I looked it up and I was like, oh, it was available on the PSP, but it's not available digitally. So I actually literally went to eBay and I'm like, oh, well, I can get the UMD of this. But then I was like, wait, I have no way to play a UMD game because I don't have a PSP anymore. Um, But yeah, no, I mean, I've always been a Sony gamer. Uh, The Xbox One came out. I got an Xbox One. And then I've actually recently built myself a pretty damn decent PC. So now I've jumped down the Steam rabbit hole. Um, (laughs) So yeah, I I play games everywhere now. Um, I've got the Switch pre-ordered. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I have a Wii U. I, I play just about everywhere. Actually... Uh, last week, so this week I've I've been streaming Final Fantasy One. Last week, in uh, over the course of the week d- during my stream on on Proving Gamer, uh, I played through Luigi's Mansion Ooh. on the GameCube, which was really cool because that's a game that I ha- I've had sitting on a shelf, and I have a GameCube, and I've had the game sitting on the shelf, and I think I've played maybe halfway through at any given time and just you know fell out of it. Uh, so this was an opportunity. I finished it literally. It, it worked out really well. I started on Monday, and on Friday I finished it. Uh, was able to finish all the way through Luigi's Mansion, which was pretty dope. Uh, so I've been playing that recently. Um, I also picked up uh, on my 3DS. I've started playing the uh, Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney games, oh, yeah. which is another series that like, I've heard. I heard so many great things about, and and I'm finally getting around to playing it. Uh, and I'm really enjoying it. It's a lot of fun. Um, trying to think of what else I played recently. That's pretty much it. Uh, school takes up a lot of my time. Um, like I said, I'm good at it. I'm a good student. I get 4.0, but in doing so, that takes up a lot of time and effort. Like you gotta, you gotta dedicate a lot of time to that. So, uh, I actually like being able to do the stream on Twitch because that actually gives me an opportunity every day. I, you know, get to spend two hours playing video games, which, which helps keep, you know, keep me limbered up playing old PlayStation 1 versions of old Nintendo classic JRPGs. <laughs> Very cool. I do want to mention real quick with Luigi's Mansion. As, um, I, didn't get, I didn't get a GameCube until a year after it came out. I got it for Christmas. I remember I got the DS and the GameCube for Christmas the same year. and Probably the best Christmas ever. And, right. Uh, <laughs> I remember my, my, parent, uh, my, uh, my buddy, uh, Justin, actually, uh, on the podcast... He uh, he got a GameCube for the year, for Christmas the year it came out, and Luigi's Mansion was a launch title for it. And uh, it was funny. I remember the moment that Justin beat the game. He like we we watched him for like three hours. We just like we it was actually a lot of fun just watching your friends play games. Um, nowadays I couldn't imagine doing that so much, uh, but <laughs> back then you know when you're fucking in high school and middle school and shit, you don't shit. You watch play games all day, goddamn day. But uh, I remember Justin actually beat Luigi's Mansion. And he freaked out so bad. He started like he jumped up and he hugged me and started kissing me. And I was like, <laughs> I'm like "What the fuck is going on right now? I don't understand. I'm too young for this." Uh, and he was he's the second so most happy. gay thing you two have ever done together. It's, it's the second most gayest thing we've ever done together. Uh, maybe maybe second, top five at least. Uh, but. Um, yeah, it, it was it was a weird it was a weird thing. I remember that moment. Was, I don't know why I remember that moment. It was my first gay experience outside of summer camp. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, it's just exper- experimenting. Yeah, this, we're, 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 you know, it was it's a great game. Like it, it still holds up to this day. I was re- super impressed. Uh, I mean, the things that get me is the the amount of um, personality that that game has. Like everything is like the way Luigi's mannerisms change between whether the room's been lit up because he's cleared it or whether he's walking mm-hmm. through the dark and he just like right. has this tension. He's he's humming along with the music in the background, yes. and it's ugh, yeah. There's just so much about that game. Um, it was funny too because like I'm sitting there and I'm in there's the weight room downstairs where the workout room and there's a treadmill there and it's like oh look there's a treadmill I wonder if the treadmill works and I'm sitting there and I jump up on the treadmill it's like of course the treadmill works because why wouldn't you have a working treadmill but then all of a sudden a key pops out I was like holy crap like how many times have people played this game and maybe not even tried to interact with this treadmill and didn't realize that there was a key here because the key that was there wasn't necessarily uh, required to complete the game because it just basically opened up like a shortcut uh, between two parts of the house. But it was like, holy crap, like that was like little details like that that were just like, I don't know. I, I was super impressed with it. Like it's just a, the, the most charming little game and the graphics still hold up. I mean, it's still yeah. just a, a great game. I definitely check out uh, the sequel on 3DS if you have a have one. Uh, I do. That's where I'm playing Phoenix, right? Nice. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I, I have two 3DSs, actually. Oh, wow. I like having two of everything. I have two PlayStation 3s. I got two Vitas, and I have two 3DSs. I have a standard 3DS, and then I've got one of the new uh, XLs. Um, okay. Same with the Vita. I've got uh, my launch PSP or, uh, Vita 1000, and then I actually have an imported Japanese all-white uh, Vita 2000, which is Ooh. kind of the... Yeah, Damn, it's the apple dude. of my eye. I really like that uh, Vita. I really wanted one. I actually had to find it secondhand on, on eBay because they don't make it anymore. Um, all the colored Vitas now, and it really annoys me, all the colored Vitas now, the screen bezel is black. So whatever color, like they have a white Vita, but it's the the main bulk of it is white, but the bezel around the screen is black and the thumbsticks are black. And that really kind of bugs me. Like this, this uh, I have an all-white crystal uh, Vita a crystal white Vita uh, that's it's all white and it's it's amazing I love it uh, the the thing that's crazy about it though is because it's a Japanese model uh, the to confirm everything even when you're playing a game it's weird because like I'll play Valkyria Chronicles 2 um, on both of them and so when I'm playing on the American Vita uh, to confirm is X you know the default you, you hit X to confirm if I'm playing the exact same game on the Japanese Vita I have to hit circle to confirm which is kind of a crazy thing oh. like the the control scheme actually shifts to the Japanese version of the control scheme because I'm playing on a Japanese Vita which is kind of a weird thing to do and if I'm bl- oh. bouncing back and forth between them is actually kind of disorienting sometimes <laughs> I, I can imagine so yeah it's really cool, though. I really like my Japanese Vita. I, that's the one console I probably haven't bought in like the last like fifteen years. Probably since like the Dreamcast. That's the first like outside of the Dreamcast. That's probably the only console I ever bought was a Vita. I even I had a uh, PSP at one point, but I never got into it. You missed out on a Dreamcast. lot of good games on the Vita too. I've heard some good games, but it's just there's not enough good games there for me to buy one. I I'm liking because I I bought a 64 gigabyte card and I'm just buying up all of the PS1 classic games and stuff like that. And the cool thing is my Vita 1000. I actually ordered one of the L2 R2 grips that they yeah. make in Japan, which like basically the Vita sits inside of it, it claps in, and then it basically has a a pair of L2 and R2 buttons like a normal DualShock would have. And what it does is it hinges and touches the back touchpad. Where, you know, if you're trying to play a game that normally uses an L2-R2 button with a Vita, you have to actually physically touch the touchpad. 
in lieu of having L2 and R2 buttons. So this actually, you know, makes it feel more like a standard controller. And it's, it's a, it's a godsend if you're trying to play any like classic PlayStation games or even like remote play with a Vita. I definitely recommend people pick that up. Yeah, it definitely sounds more excellent stuff, especially if you're playing things on the Vita, like I said, like Killzone Mercenaries or even like maybe a little bit of Borderlands 2, because those kind of have kind of weird controls where, especially in Borderlands 2 and stuff, when you have to use the back touchscreen in order to use like, say, the L2 or like R2 things and stuff like that, yeah. it's, it got to a point in stuff where I had to manipulate the control in-game in order to try to adjust it to the, this, the shoulder buttons and stuff and try to make yeah. the touchscreen things sort of like usable so that I can actually go through and maybe fire stuff without having to just have some crazy back touch issues or something. <laughs> yeah, so if I mean if anybody has any interest in using their Vita in that way, even like I said for remote play, I don't use the Vita for remote play just because the screen is so small. Yep. But like you can have all these PS1 classic games that you can download and stuff and anything that needs the L2 or the R2 button and if you're really tired of, you know, trying to fill out on the back touch screen, uh, uh Play Asia has it. It's it's an L2 R2 grip and it's it's great. Um, it's perfect for that sort of thing. It, it helps. It fits in your hand better. It feels more like a regular controller. And just having physical L two and R two buttons is is really cool. I, I, and they're pretty. Players is pretty good too because I bought a lot of Amiibos through there as well. So yeah, sweet. Well, I went through my Amiibo craze. I bought a <laughs> shit ton of Amiibos for them because the only place you can find Amiibos was in Asia for some reason. I go Mario. <laughs> where I got them from. Now they're everywhere and hardly anybody buys them. I don't want to talk about a game. <laughs> a bunch of them all over this room. I've got a bunch of all kinds of stuff all over this room though. My room is pretty eclectic. I like it though. Um, yeah. yeah, but that's what I've been playing. Let's let's get I used up my 8 minutes. I'm sorry. You're fine, man. It's whatever. But I had I had 30 years of gaming to go over, so. Yeah, it's pretty good, man. You, know, you went through 30 minute, 30 years of gaming in like 15 minutes. That's pretty that's pretty solid. Uh, but Gables my friend, my friend, my flame, my muse. What have you been playing, buddy? <laughs> so I made a random trip to GameStop yesterday, like I generally do every time I get paid, it seems like. This time around, I didn't Did you get herpes really... again? Was that? Did you get herpes again? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm worried no, about that. No, that wasn't until protection. after, but anyway. Oh, okay. <laughs> Well, anyway, I couldn't really find anything too worthwhile that I wanted to play at the time, but I ended up going through the Wii U section of the GameStop on the map because for months I'd see the same games that were normally would be available, and it's it's kind of sad, really. It's like, other than myself, I personally believe that there's maybe only a handful of people on the whole Olympic Peninsula that actually owns a Wii U and plays it. <laughs> But uh, going back towards my trip here into GameStop, I went forth and I not bought one, but I bought about four different games for the Wii U. And here's the thing. A lot of them were discounted to the extent and stuff where they were actually manageable to pick up for a reasonable price. So I picked up Zombie U. That was only like, what, nine bucks? Too much. Picked up Ninja Gaiden 3 (laughs) Razor's Edge, which I wanted to try that out. I heard some good stuff about that particular version of the game in comparison to the PS3 and the 360 version. Let's see, what else did I pick up here? I picked up Sonic and All-Stars Racing Transformed, which, that's a game that I very much enjoyed on the Vita when I had it for free and stuff for PlayStation Plus. And, uh, let's see, the last one that I bought was Need for Speed Most Wanted You. Which, that's supposed to be more reminiscent to Burnout Paradise. I'm very excited to try that out. 
Uh, yeah, so Need for Speed Most Wanted, uh, that's a Criterion joint. It's yeah. definitely a lot like Burnout Paradise. I have the Platinum Trophy in that game on both the PlayStation Vita and the PlayStation 3. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a great game, a big open-world racing game, uh, Need for Speed licensed, so it's got all the licensed cars and stuff, but like it's very reminiscent of like a Burnout Paradise and the open city aspect of it. I, I really enjoyed it, and I, it can't be worse than the Vita version, which I think was super top notch especially for being on a handheld yeah i'm expecting not like anything too bad or anything else from it i mean i'm not obviously not going to go online with the, v- the wii u version because there's probably nobody hardly playing the thing but uh <laughs> sorry nintendo um, online it just makes me laugh well that's just the thing with third-party games in general for nintendo consoles it's always kind of barren unless you actually orchestrate with people online but but yeah i've heard a lot of good stuff about yeah i like most wanted, wanted. <laughs> and uh, when it comes to playing games and stuff, I have actually played a good assortment of stuff this uh, past week. On the PS4, I went through on the Flash sale, I picked up a random assortment of games, which I believe I said on the last time that both Tyler and I recorded and stuff. So I ended up playing plenty of Nidhogg on the PS4. Now, that game's a trip. I've never <laughs> seen any gameplay footage of it. I never once tried, like, uh, going through and play the game, so when I figured out, when I started playing the game for the first time, and I figured out it was just basically you going forth and just, like, it's like a it's like a freaking sword match between you and your opponent and stuff, where you you touch the, the D-pad and stuff like that to adjust the levels of the sword, and just by tapping on the D-pad just slightly, you can just etch yourself forward, you press square and stuff in order to do, like, a parry or something like that. It could be really competitive, and the whole goal. Oh, the, super! And the whole thing about the game is you have to kill your opponent and run all the way to the checkpoint in order for the Nidhog to eat you in order to win. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, like it, it's it's a t- super dope game, and especially if you're playing, you know, two player, like it's it's super competitive, really fast paced. Uh, yeah, like you're running across multiple screens, so it's like you kill the guy you know you best your opponent and you run over to the next part of the screen uh and then you got to do it again because they respawn in that that screen area and it's basically like a tug of war like you're trying to you know uh each person's trying to push forward uh and yeah it's 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 a really dope game i mean the graphics are super basic i mean like 8-bit is probably uh a generous uh description of the graphics for this game probably more like an old monochrome pc game you know that you would have played in the computer lab in elementary school or something like that uh but it, yeah it's 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 really nuanced and and ultra competitive it's it's actually a really dope little uh, multiplayer game oh very much so i mean i i was actually surprised like how long i was actually taking going through the the single player portion of it i went through it fairly fast but when i went through trying to go through the single thing again and stuff there's this one match I had in particular where my opponent and I were seriously dueling for about a good solid five minutes to and from back from one panel to another because we kept on like he ended up would throw the sword across the screen and I'd be just like just about barely about to run and all of a sudden I get hit in the freaking head with a damn sword again. I'm like, no, no, don't go back again. <laughs> like, it's yeah. that it was that competitive nature of it. We're just like, hey, you know what? This actually be better to play a little bit on the go and stuff with the Vita. It, as soon as I finished up on that and stuff, I went ahead, I deleted it off my PS4, but I'm going to have that game on my Vita to play, as well as the next game that I've played through, which is uh, Skullgirls Second Encore and stuff. So, a little bit about Skullgirls. That game released originally on the 
I believe it was on like uh, the PS3 and the Xbox 360, but Konami had actually a role in like uh, helping Lab Studio Games or something in development of that. But once yeah. they went through all the develop the whole issues with Konami and stuff like that, they had to go through. They actually got the copyright things back from their game. And uh, as a result, they did a bunch of Kickstarter things, which led to their release of Second Encore and stuff like that on the PS4 and the Xbox One, I think Steam as well. And I gotta admit, the game is better fleshed out than the original version was, because they actually have little bits of voice acting during the, like, uh, the story cinematics of the game. They got more characters than they originally had, because literally almost half the cast, I think, is, like, new characters where... Before, you just had, like, the mainstay characters, like, say, like, Philia and, like, Parasol and all these other characters, which each of them had their own quirks and fighting styles, but then you have these new characters that were fan-funded and stuff, like this particular character called Beowulf, who's, like, a cross between, like, a uh, sort of, like, a professional wrestler to where he can actually go through. He has a steel chair that he has on the back of him, and he does these fast attacks (laughs) and stuff where he has this wolf costume, and he basically is as fast as a wolf, but he's more kind of heavier and lumbering type of thing where he can combo and stuff using this chair. He can combo less like doing these random professional wrestler moves. There's this one move that he does that he actually imitates doing a pipe bomb where he just drops the mic and all of a sudden the thing just sparks, kind of explodes when you hit it and stuff. It's huh. it's it's his creativity like that, which I really much enjoy playing the Skullgirls game. But uh, anyway, going through the story mode portion of it, it, you take like just one character through the whole ranks and stuff. And it culminates with you trying to fight, like, a final boss and stuff in order to see, like, how you obtain the skull heart and stuff. And, like, fighting game fashion, sometimes the final boss can be kind of a dick if you don't know what you're oh, doing. Oh, yeah. Super cheap. Like, yeah. yeah. I, I uh, was it yeah. Nitro Plus Blasters, Heroine's Infinite Duel. I was playing that. And, yeah, like, I kind of breezed through everybody. And I got to the final boss and it was, like... I think I played, like, 40 or 50 times and could not beat the final boss. And I finally oh got gosh. frustrated and turned it off. Um, I think Mortal Kombat 8 was the same way. It was like like I breeze through everything, but then when I get to the final fight, like the the, the boss fights in fighting games always tend to be like super cheesy, uh, real tough to beat unless you like just have mad skills. That's very true. I've had trouble similar to that before. I mean, previously with like PS1 games, like say like King of Fighters 99, where I had faced off against the final boss, which took me an hour to try to beat and continue because it kept using almost the same powerful type moves. And also, again, when I tried playing Street Fighter 3 and stuff, the whole thing against Gil, which, oh my god, that guy is a freaking ass, because it's like, he does the same similar type of moves, and because the whole aspect of the final boss being sort of like quarter kind of depleters and stuff, how they were like in the arcades and stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. the moves are like very powerful, do this and do that. I came across this inside Skullgirls once. And that was during, I think it was earlier parts of today, when I was playing as a a newer character. Her name is Fukura, or something like that. And the final boss is sort of like inside of this parallel sort of world and stuff. You have to face off against, like, one of the mainstays. Her name's Philia and stuff. And for the life of me, this game went from, okay, the story's a a bit easier. And stuff. I'm going through the characters rather okay. And stuff. not having too much trouble. Then I get up to her, and it's like... I cannot physically almost execute a combo at all. She is so fast that every time that I try to go into a combo, she is nothing but blocking the attack. Like, just really just blocking almost everything I throw at her. It's like I have to really think up, try to 
customize, just go on the fly, how do I want to do? Do I want to parry a few times and just back up? Do I, can I just jump above and just go through? I tried almost everything in order to defeat this, defeat this character and stuff, and I kept getting more angry. It's like, because <laughs> how in the hell am I supposed to beat this if this character knows four through three or four different types of combo ways that she could just go and combo into this. It's like, okay, I'm done. I just turned off the game and I yeah. just deleted it off my PS4 at that point. It's like, I finished the game. I enjoy Skullgirls a lot. As a matter of fact, I have the Platinum for the PS3 nice. version. I love playing that game. But that moment just really made me rage quit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the last time I, I was sitting and playing uh, the uh, Nitro Plus Blasters and th- when I told you, like, I'd play like 50 times against that final boss and just kept beating my head against it and beating my head against it and and, uh, and finally rage quit. My wife was sitting in the kitchen at the time studying and like, yeah, the, all the all the random obscenities that I was just yelling like, oh, you bitch, God. Like, yeah. <laughs> Nothing will get you like a good, crazy, cheap boss fight in a fighting game. <laughs> just make your rage quit. No, I don't generally shout out games. On, I used to shout out games a lot when I was playing Halo 3 online and stuff. I didn't have a headset or anything else like that because nobody could hear me online. But it's like, I get so angry, so angry at this freaking thing. It's like, I would literally, like, the next day, it's like, hey, you doing all right inside there? It's like, yeah, I'm doing <laughs> fine. I'm just venting some anger because it's like all this pent-up anger and aggression just comes rushing forward as soon as I talk about That's like, funny. As soon as I like, start playing games and stuff. But uh, I'm usually of... pretty laid back. It's funny, too, because uh, I was playing the uh, Overwatch for the holiday event. Yeah. Um, and some of the community at Proven Gamer, the people who you know listen to the podcast and stuff, mm-hmm. and they wanted to play with me because they knew I was playing it to to try and get the skins for the holiday event. So I uh, I got on and played with a couple of the the people who listen to the Trophy Horse podcast. Yes, and uh, like I would get so frustrated with May, <laughs> and May is probably the only character that I will do this. But I was get so mad at her. I'm like, oh, fucking May, and she's like, holy crap, like. You're always so calm and laid back on the podcast. I've never like I never would have imagined that you could get so angry and lose control. <laughs> but yeah, man, May brings it out of me. <laughs> I mean, that's one of the major reasons why I don't do competitive gaming online because it's like I get really competitive. I get really angry and I'm normally laid back. I normally just like to relax, play my games, have a relaxing experience. Kind of like kind of like the next game that I've really played, like Sonic and All-Stars Racing on the Wii U and stuff. I mean, I played through portions of the game on the Vita. I actually managed to beat the whole career mode thing for it, but it just felt really relaxing for some reason, like really kind of like a zen moment where I was just playing with my Wii U gamepad, just with my TV and stuff, because how I have my uh, whole room set up is I have my recliner right in front of my TV stand, like right in front of my bed and stuff like that. So I have easy access where I am literally, say, what, a couple feet away from my TV and stuff so I can actually play games and then just relax that way. And uh, everything else about like playing that game, it just, all the good stuff that I remember playing it like during last summer, it's like it's starting to come back and it just feels good. It just feels great just to go. Because this cart game, it's really... It really has a good, like, uh, comparison to, say, Mario Kart in ways where it's very familiar because the courses are kind of similar, this and that and stuff. But the whole gimmick of Sonic and All-Stars Racing Transformed is the stages change in the middle of when you're competing in a race. Like, one 
point you'll be racing in a car. Next, they'll transform into maybe a boat or maybe even to a plane. The course has changed. There's like elements where maybe a, in one course, like a spaceship will go ahead and crash into the track and you go into the spaceship and do this and do that. It's really fun. I mean, I am just mostly impressed like how this game can actually just go and do stuff like that. And it's more, my honest opinion, it's probably one of the most underrated sort of games because the whole connotation of, say, Sonic the Hedgehog, you know? <laughs> cool. Yeah. Yeah. Sonic the Hedgehog gets uh, quite a bad rap. I had a similar experience with the Wii U uh, last week. I decided to uh, play some Mario Kart 8, uh, yeah. try and just unlock all the all the character skins and everything like that, because it's nice to have everything unlocked for when you have people over. It's like, you know, more options yeah. for everybody. I did the same thing with Smash Brothers the week before, just played Smash for hours just to unlock all the characters. Uh, but the nice thing about, you know, the Wii U and, and being able to play on the gamepad was I also was doing a Fast and Furious movie marathon on my my TV <laughs> while I was sitting there playing Mario Kart. So, yeah, I mean, it's super convenient like that. Oh, man. Well, other than that, though, it's like that's pretty much what I've been playing for the most part of the week. It's oh, I'm just getting so, like, uh, ready and stuff to try some more games out and stuff. I mean... Ever since I got the the PS4 thing from Tyler and stuff in the mail, I've been trying to scout out the type of things that I want to plan out and play. And at the same time, I'm trying to keep tabs of all the other Wii U stuff, because I know those are going to be harder to come by once the Switch comes out. It's like, it, man. <laughs> or you can pick up more of it as they all hit the second-hand market. That's very true. Maybe. It just depends. It's tough to call with that, man. And Nintendo stuff, we were talking about it before we recorded. T- Nintendo stuff it just holds its value so well, uh, especially first-party Nintendo stuff. And that's just the thing, man. It's like the Wii U, it's going to be hard to find. I know for a fact this damn thing's going to be hard to find. It's like, it's one of the main factors of why I'm not getting rid of the console. Because all the games for it, the third-party games, the first-party games, everything else, those are going to be collector's items. Kind of like the same way some Wii games are starting to now drip inside that realm of oh okay this is going to be more sought after because it's this or that you know yeah well i was just telling uh once again a conversation that happened before we started recording but um <laughs> yeah we were talking about um the the new what did they they put out the the collector's edition whatever versions of a lot of their games recently so they were like yeah, labeled at selects, 20 bucks yeah nintendo selects so i have uh ocarina of time on the 3ds it's one of the yes. games that i have and uh i was getting emails from gamestop like probably once a month where they're like hey this game's worth like 20 bucks do you want to come and trade it in <laughs> but it's like yeah like oh, yeah. I mean, nintendo especially first party nintendo games and a zelda game on top of that like they they're just always hold their value like for years and years and years. I mean, exactly. you, you go on eBay and try and find, you know, I mean, it, it, at some point they probably start to, you know, become more valuable. I mean, you look at all kinds of old Nintendo carts and Super Nintendo carts that are probably worth more, three, four times more than they would have costed new even, you know, back in the 80s. So, Agreed. Uh, yeah, Nintendo's, I mean, it. everyone likes to clown on Nintendo, but um, it, they're, they're a premium product and they, they definitely hold a premium price for, for a very long time. Agreed. So, anyway, Tyler, what have you been playing? Um, well, quick, though. I want to jump into kind of theme with the Nintendo stuff. Is I actually sold my Wii U today. <laughs> you did, huh? Yeah. Well, you were talking about it. I remember that. Yeah. Off, off the show, I was talking about with Gables a few weeks ago about it, and I actually got an email this this week. From, I, I pre-ordered my, my Switch from GameStop. It's the only place I get it from. Um, I ordered it, like, the next morning after the... Uh, 
presentation for the Switch. And um, I uh, I bought my Switch, uh, or I bought my Nintendo Wii U, um, probably 2013, 2014, no, 2014. I bought it with Mario Kart 8, and it was 200 bucks on the uh, Nintendo.com website. And uh, I actually traded it in today for exactly $200. Dude, <laughs> yeah. You broke so you got like four years of use out of that console for basically free. Yeah, that's the way I look I at mean, it. I mean, probably not I, a I, lot I, of use over the four years, but you had it in your possession for four years and didn't lose any money on the deal. No, that's the way I look at it. Like, I bought Mario Kart 8, Super Smash Brothers. I got, I actually got Bayonetta 2 and Mario Kart, or Bayonetta 2 and Super Mario 3D World for free from my old work. Where we earned we we points for doing extra side shit, and I used my points to buy those, get those games. Um, but really, the only games I ever bought for it was, was Mario Kart 8, um, Super Smash Brothers, Captain Toad, and Hyrule, Hyrule Warriors. Yep. Yep. And those games are all fantastic. I love those games. Uh, I got Bayonetta 2 and uh, Mario 3D World for free uh, for my old work. And I love those games. Um, but yeah, like 200 bucks. And I'm, I'm, I bought Super Mario Maker. That's the last thing I bought for the game when it first came out. Like, what September, September 2015? 2015? Yeah, yeah. That's the last time I bought a game for it, and I haven't played a game. I haven't played a con. I haven't played the thing since fucking. I, I bought Severed for it in like June, and I got it for free because I bought it for. I bought Severed for on my three on my Wii U. I got a free code for it for my Wii, my 3ds. I played a little bit on there, and that was. I'm like, okay, well, what's the reason for me having this thing? Is like, the only game I was interested in, in all of 2016 was severed and it came for 3ds it's like there's no reason for me to own this thing I, I i'm going i'm never gonna buy another game for it like you know Breath yeah. of the wild is the last game they're gonna make for it and that comes out the same day as the switch comes out which i'm getting the switch so it's like why the fuck am i owning this thing i'm like to trade in and get the money i paid into it back yeah. so i traded yeah. it it's it's gone I, I i'm not gonna like i'm not gonna diss in the wii u I love the Wii U. Uh, when I when I if I were to jump to on on day one of the console, I'd probably be a little more upset about it because it, it was a first the first couple of years of that console was was rough. Really, I mean, look at Pikmin three and New Super Mario Bros. Uh, New Super Mario Bros. That was like the only two games that came out for. It. And then with mm. Mario Kart eight was I love Mario Kart. I love Super Smash Bros. I love three D World. I love Bayonetta two. And that's the reason I buy those games. Was those games right there alone. Um, that's gone. And, you know, uh, rest but, rest in peace. Yeah, rest, rest in peace, Tyler's <laughs> Wii U. Uh, I hope it goes to a good owner. Um, but yeah, that's why. I mean, it's it's kind of hard to argue with that. Like two hundred. Like yeah, no. Eight. I mean, you got what you paid, and you had it for four years, and you played exactly. some great games on it. Like that was kind of a no brainer. Yeah, I mean, you definitely made out well. And I, I'm gonna get my. I'm basically gonna buy my Switch for a hundred bucks. Like, that's kind of which hard. is also a good deal. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to complain about that deal. Um, and you know, Breath of the Wild probably is gonna be a fantastic game. But um, uh, we'll, we'll talk more about that in a month or so. Um, but right now, uh, I haven't had a lot of time to play games this, in the last few weeks uh, with craziness with work. But what time I have uh, had to play games? I have spent um, playing Resident Evil Seven. I'm only a couple hours into it. I'm not gonna talk about too too much. Uh, but so far, I'm like I said, two hours into it, 
It's been really good. I, I am surprised how much I'm liking this game. We're, um, I'm going to go over a rant here a little quick uh, about <laughs> Resident Evil. Where, okay. and I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to admit, I am somewhat involved with this. Where, like, when Resident Evil 7 was, was officially announced at E3, I think it was at the Sony uh, PlayStation E3 event, um, I was like, holy shit, they have figured out how to do Resident Evil in, in this generation or in this last decade. And uh, like they're, they're going back to the basics. And it's like, I was saying about the last few months now, it's been kind of difficult because we haven't had a re- really a regular show in the last couple of months because of like, with like the Game of the Year stuff and everything like that and the Switch can be announced. So we haven't done like a normal show. Um, but I was concerned about going to, to Resident Evil 7 where like, like, have they really learned a lesson or are they just going along with the times? We look at Resident Evil 5. What was the biggest thing? What was the biggest thing when Resident Evil 5 came out? Was Action co-op games. gameplay. Yeah, and they, that's what they did. They did co-op gameplay with Resident Evil 5. Resident Evil 5 was a fine game, but it wasn't like... There's, there's 10, 15 other games that did co-op gameplay better than they did. Um, Resident Evil 6 was a bad game, and they tried to, to be Resident Evil, but also be a Gears of War half-ass clone. And it didn't work very well. And I was kind of concerned about Resident Evil 7, where it's like... Hey, you know, they learned a lot of Resident Evil 5 and 6. We're like, that doesn't work nowadays. But but I was thinking, Resident Evil 7, like, well, maybe they're just copying what fucking um, Outlast did and PT did and, like, every other fucking game on PT or on Steam that comes out does. But um, I'm only a couple hours in, admittedly. Um, but so far, I am liking this game quite a bit. Uh it does a good comp. It does a, it does a, so far it does a good balance of gameplay uh, of, of the gameplay where it's just like it's scary, but you also you are able to defend yourself. Well, like Outlast, where it's like you set a camera, all you can do is just run away if you got caught by an enemy. In this game, you can at least defend yourself somewhat. Um, I'm, I'm like, like immediately, like I said, a couple hours in, I'm, I'm gonna play a couple. I'm gonna play quite a bit of this. I'm gonna try to at least play more next week. Um, and Justin's actually beat this game already. He played, I think he did a majority of it through PSVR. So uh, I, I can't wait to talk to him more about this. Holy crap, Hopefully man. next week, yeah. Um, <laughs> but going through it more of just going through the controller with the PS4 Pro, um, I'll say this game looks fucking gorgeous. It actually has the HDR effects, which right now a lot of games don't have. Um, with the PS4 Pro, where it's like a lot of times like knack even. Uh, it's just like, hey, do you want higher frame rates or do you want better graphics? You gotta pick between the two. Um, but this game looks really, really nice in, uh, with the PS4 Pro. Um, and the, you know, this is, this is a bit, minor issues with like, like the, I think the gameplay, like the, the beginning first 20, 30 minutes of that game looks pretty bad in the, in, in the PS4 Pro where it's just like, it's in the daylight. It's like, ooh, this looks kind of like it's just like the I don't know the trees are just not very good. But once you get into the house, I don't know what it is, but like the first twenty minutes of that game is just like it looks awful. But when you get inside the house and it turns to, it's, it's it's nighttime, that game looks fucking fantastic. Uh, one of the better looking games I've seen on consoles, and I don't understand how that happens. Like the big the switch and the, and the fucking con as far as graphic power goes, um, but. Yeah, it looks great. Uh, the gameplay is really good. Like, like I said, like I've only done the first boss battle, 
But I love the combination. And it feels like almost like it does bring me back to like playing Resident Evil 1 on PlayStation 1. Where it's just like you're scared, but at the same time you're like you're like you're you're somewhat ready for battle. You know, it's like you have you have a you have a gun, but you only have a little bit of ammo. And you have just enough to defend yourself. And they have done a good job as far as so far, a couple hours in, um, of combining the, the, the elements I love about Outlast. And I loved Outlast. It was my number two game of the year of 2014. Um, of, of combining those elements with like what I want from a third party, uh, or uh, I'm sorry, like a, th- a first person game with some action elements to it. They've done a great fucking job of that. Like, where, like, I, I don't feel like. I'm not, like, I see an enemy, I'm not completely useless, but it's just, like, you gotta be smart at the same time. Like, the the inventory you have, the weapons you find, is, is very finite, and it is difficult. So it's, like, I can probably go through this fairly easily and burn through most of my ammo, or burn through most of my inventory, or I can be somewhat smart about it, make it a little bit harder for myself, and keep some of this stuff and help me out through the rest of the game. And yeah, it's just, I- I was going to say, I think that, that, that hollers back to Resident Evil 1, and I think that's kind of the big surprising thing about this game that, that I've heard is is how well they've kind of captured, recaptured what made Resident Evil 1 kind of, you know, that that great game where there is tension. You know, you don't know, you, you have limited inventory, you don't necessarily have enough ammo, the enemies are, are bullet sponges, so it's, it's kind of a risk-reward sort of thing. Like, well, yeah, I can use these bullets to take out this enemy, but then that's going to leave me way short. Um, just everything about this game just seems like like they kind of nailed it. You know, it's like they they made that mm-hmm. classic Resident Evil uh, formula, but brought it into you know this new generation, and and then the first person aspect of it, I think, adds an extra layer of immersion. And especially if you're you know add you know VR to that on top of that, just seems like crazy intense. Yeah, definitely, and that's you know that's kind of what I was going with. It was like yeah, like the. Uh, the first person, like with the Owl, Owl has, I love Outlast, but you know, definitely the first party part of it is like with the gun, sh- with the, the shooting element of it has added a deeper element to it. Where like I didn't know that was gonna be a part, big part of the game until it came out, and that was my concern with it. Was like, is this gonna be an Outlast clone? Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I, they did. They made it seem like it was gonna be PT. Like yeah. you know, you're just basically wandering definitely. around this this crazy ass environment. But yeah, it, from what I understand, it's definitely more Resident Evil than that. Yes, and so far it is. And from reviews, I'm hearing it is definitely more of it. it does a good combination of the two. And I'm definitely gonna keep playing more of it throughout the week. And hopefully, I'll have it uh, a full kind of review of it uh, next week. Uh, Hopefully, I have a little more time to play it. I'm only a couple hours in, and I heard it's an eight to twelve hour game, so I might be able to squeeze in the rest of that game uh, throughout uh, throughout the week. But jumping into more of some of the news of the week, um, some good stuff going on this this week. Um, the big news uh, is that Mass Effect uh, they are have, they had a trailer come out this week showing us more gameplay and some more story elements of the game. Uh, I'm curious, Troy. Um, I, I personally, I beat the original trilogy of the game. I believe Cables has two. Yep. What is your thoughts on the Mass Effect uh, games? I I think they look really good sitting on the hard drive of my PlayStation Three. Um, <laughs> the icon is really pretty, 
and eventually I'm going to get around to clicking on that icon and actually playing those games. I look forward to that. Maybe I'll play it on a stream. Maybe that seems to be a good catalyst for me to actually play games that I haven't played. Uh, but yeah, unfortunately, I haven't played them. I own the trilogy um, that I just haven't gotten around to playing it. Yeah, my backlog is embarrassing. Uh, the number of like once in a lifetime must play games, you know, the, the cream of the crop that are just sitting there waiting to be played. And the Mass Effect trilogy, unfortunately, is among that list. So yeah, I mean, Andromeda looks cool, but yeah, I haven't played any of the other games, so I don't have the uh, the affinity. And uh, the good news is, by the time I actually get around to playing the other the other games in the trilogy, I can probably pick up Mass Effect Andromeda for a pretty good price. That's true. I would highly <laughs> recommend playing those games. Those games are fucking fantastic. Uh, two of those uh, three games are in my top ten games of the generation. Uh, uh, but no, uh, Gables, did you watch the trailer for the, the, the latest Mass Effect Andromeda? Okay, for Mass Effect Andromeda, I don't think I've actually watched the recent trailer. I've watched, like, the one before that, though, but, uh, could you tell me a little bit of what was inside this trailer? Um, basically, show them a little more gameplay, uh, some of the more, I uh, delve into more deep, like, we obviously, so you're jumping into the Andromeda galaxy, and so it, it it is basically a complete departure from the original trilogy, which is great for uh, I think gamers like so like Troy. You could jump into this trilogy and probably not miss much of a beat. Um, going off, with yeah, because it, it's yeah, it's a completely separate story from the original trilogy. So it'd be yeah, I could yeah. I mean I could jump into this and then you know go back to play the original trilogy if so inclined. Yeah, yeah, I believe it does take six hundred years after the fact. Of the original Mass Effect trilogy, but it is kind of it does a lot more showing off some of the gameplay and jumping to more like I said the story of it. But there is definitely like so you kind of what what the story of the game is is, is going to be is that between Mass Effect two and three, um, they sent off a um, I guess a spaceship off to the Andromeda Galaxy to kind of um, keep it's an expedition, those, yeah, and keep those. Uh, those those lives those that that species alive so they have like a krogan um holy shit i'm forgetting the rest of the names but you're gonna have basically all like um liara where the fuck she was Um, all those alien people sorry the turians yeah Yeah. so basically it took like it's almost like the um the uh like it's like the ark noah's ark of uh the 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 uh, Mass Effect world, where basically they're gonna send, they send all these people, all these different species off to Andromeda to kind of just in case the Reapers actually win the war um, in the Milky Way galaxy. It's like the human race and all those d- different races survive and end up bumping into. Uh, it seems like another bad guy. Um, there's always a bad guy. There's always a bad guy. Yeah, it'd be tough to make a game without a bad guy. But um, <laughs> I don't. I, I don't know if you guys seen the trailer or not. But I am as, as a Mass Effect fanboy of some sort. Like I definitely didn't like the ending of Mass Effect Three, but I love Mass Effect One and Two, and I I'm, I enjoy eighty percent of Mass Effect Three. Uh, I am definitely on board for uh, this uh, Andromeda. Good <coughs> deal. Yeah, and I'm on board for Andromeda as well in about four years or so, (laughs) 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 by my estimation. 
I'm kind of like in the same type of boat as Tyler and stuff, but <laughs> not as not a, not for the ending of Mass Effect Three because, for quite honestly, I was totally okay with the ending beforehand before everyone else started to make much of a hoopla about it. But uh, I'm definitely waiting to see how Mass Effect Andromeda does. It may not be a day one thing for me, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely. I think it might. It's probably one of the biggest game releases of the year. March twenty first, I believe, is the release date for it. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I think it looks it looks good, and I I, I am I hope that Bioware is back on track because they have not made a good, really great video game Smash Back Two. You look at Dragon Age Two, Mass Effect Three, and Inquisition. We're okay as games go. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that they have got their shit on. Um, just sorted out, and they, they are able to make good games again. Make Bioware great again. That's what I want. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Make Bioware great again. That's all I want right now. There's a few of them. We're going we're gonna to build a wall around the Andromeda Galaxy. <laughs> it's going to be a beautiful wall. Tremendous, tremendous wall. And we're going to make it's the Reapers pay for it. And we're going to make the Reapers pay for it. <laughs> you know what, Troy? That wall got 10 feet taller since you made that comment. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm doing a bit of a cold. If you haven't noticed right now, my voice is a little weird. Um, but moving on uh, to another topic. Have you guys watched the trailer for the, the latest uh, Prey game? I watched the first trailer for it. I haven't watched If they put out a new one since, I have not. Oh, my gosh. There's they a new put Prey a trailer. Days ago. Oh man! Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I feel sure. bad. I should have gone through and looked at this crap before we actually started recording. Oh, but no, I haven't watched the new trailer. I wouldn't feel too bad about uh, it, man. It's like I can't get into my own freaking G, the freaking like Google Doc thing now. It's like <laughs> it's all right. Uh, I I watched it. Uh, I never played the original Prey game on uh, with I think it was like a launch out for Prey uh, for the three sixty. Um, but this is kind of like the, the, the kind of the recreation of the Prey trilogy reboot, I guess. Um, comes out May 5th, which shocked me. I thought this game was a couple years away, uh, for a game that was just announced at E3 this past year. Um, but it's been long rumored that it's been in development. Um, but kind of what's going on is this guy is like, he's almost like a scientific experiment and kind of see how he's dealing with, with the experiment and tri- Excuse me. Turns into him kind of like, like these basically these. I don't know, I'm assuming like an alien creature takes over like this science, uh, science lab, and it's like if any of them get back to Earth, I'm assuming you're not on Earth, Earth, Earth. Sorry, I should have Will Smith there for a second. Uh, if you're not, uh, he turned like basically he's not on Earth anymore, and he's he's a science experiment, and they 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 talk about uh, like if you get if if one of these. Uh, organisms get back to Earth, the human race is over. And it's basically him taking over and destroying, assume, I'm assuming, and destroying the entire species of whatever the hell this thing might be. Um, first person view looks pretty cool. Comes out May 5th of this year, which, like I said, surprises me. Uh, I am definitely on board just watching this trailer for this game. That is very soon for that type of game. That's what I have to say, pretty much. Because well, yeah, I yeah. I'm not the impression, man. I just haven't seen any type of the gameplay thing. But it's definitely going to sound like something I'm going to 
watch a bit tonight after we get done recording and stuff, and I'll chime in a little bit about Parade probably next week. But, uh, yeah, that, I don't know why, but I felt that this, kind of like what you were thinking, Tyler, this game probably wasn't until, like, maybe 2018 or so, but it's like, wow, May? That's really packed. <laughs> yeah. The springtime's going to well, be packed. More close. Ten weeks? Jeez. That's well, good though. It's it's good that they're spreading the wealth, if you will, with game releases. I feel like uh, packing all the games into the holiday season is kind of counterproductive at this point. I think if yeah. we can spread out all these games across, you know, the whole year, I think there's there's definitely a market there for everybody, and I think it's a good idea to to start kind of you know spreading them out a little bit. You know, I think uh, the question came up about. Um, Final Fantasy 15 and like how quickly the the price dropped on that and and we're wondering if it was because of the quality of the game or whatnot and I think you know just coming out during a crowded holiday season probably had a big effect on that I think if Almost if that game way. would have come out earlier in the year um, you know when there were fewer games to compete with that they probably could have held it at sixty bucks for quite a bit longer you know without having to d- discount it in order to you know recoup their losses as quickly as possible so do you know maybe developers and, and publishers are starting to catch on to this whole thing that people are in the market for video games all year round not just you know during the holiday season so maybe oh, they'll yeah. start spreading them out a little bit more most definitely even the yeah, more recent cases were like for like titanfall 2 and like say call of duty 2 is like both of those games dropped in price pretty quickly after as soon as they released like the 40 bucks i mean you can still go to walmart and stuff and find like uh the original like Titanfall 2 for like about 40, the Call of Duty, the new Call of Duty game and stuff like that for about maybe around 40, the special edition being like for around 60 with the modern warfare stuff. It's like yeah. the holiday season is packed enough as it is and stuff like that, but yeah, I really would like it everything how it's like more spread in terms of uh big game releases cuz it normally feels like to me whenever it comes now to like how gaming used to be like around 10 like uh, 12 years ago where it's like okay, we're going to bundle everything out in the holiday season from October to December. Here, enjoy yourselves. <laughs> and then, like, a drought in the summer. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, it, yeah, it seems like a lot of games are... are and, and even a lot of the games that are coming out in those early times, you know, like, they're they're seeing a lot of success. And a lot of those games may have been completely overlooked if they were released in the holiday season, you know. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I'm trying to, you know... I'm, kind of pressed to think about the, some of the games but I mean in in the last couple of years a lot of the games that have come out in these early months like March and stuff uh, they've they've been really successful and uh, and they I'd feel like they might not have been quite as successful had they been released during the, the holiday season because there's just oh, so yeah. much going on and, and so many other huge games tentpole games you know you got your Maddens and you got your Call of Duties those are like every single year you're going to get these yep. games and the people who buy those games you know that that's what they buy um, and so you're you're kind of getting get lost in the in the shuffle if you try and release your game in the holiday season. So it's, it's nice to see developers, you know, just kind of spread it out. Like, Hey, let's, you know, put some in, in the beginning of the summer or, you know, the middle of the summer, you know, all these traditional times when, when games weren't coming out and you normally have a drought, like it's kind of nice to have these big games. Uh, what is it? Arkham Knight was a game that came out oh, definitely. right after E3. Right. So, so, you know, like yeah, there's definitely, yeah. So there's definitely a, a good, you know, market for for nice and good games you know all throughout the year and 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 the holidays not the only time where people buy video games exactly yeah and continuing on continuing on with that conversation though like um I, i'm on facebook it's like you get those like see your memories things is like this last couple of weeks now i'm looking at my memories i look at it every day and it's kind of like see what like 
what was I talking about in 2009 on Facebook or whatever? And it's just like, I actually saw like the last couple weeks now, like, I think it was either this week or last week. Mass Effect 2 came out in January of like 2012 or 2011 in, in, in January. That, like, that's crazy to me. And like, Mass Effect 3 came out like, I think like February or March of 2013. Yeah. So, I mean, Andromeda is basically falling into that spot that they've kind yep. of. Yeah. Always fallen into, I guess. Yeah, and I, I'm all for that. Like, as far as a gamer goes, uh, it's like you, you look at like this year, like February. Tw- we were talking about a couple weeks ago, like February 28th. We have fucking Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, March 21st, we have uh, Mass Effect Andromeda. Uh, there's there's a, there's a good uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild comes out. March yeah, 3rd, say March third. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely a, a plethora of games to play. Now, on the May fifth, Prey comes out. Uh, Ukulele comes out April eleventh. Like there is definitely, as far as gamers go, there, if you're a hardcore gamer, there is there really isn't much of a dead season anymore as far as games go. Uh, even for AAA gamer, if you're a AAA gamer only, you can find games for us to play all year round. Um, it is definitely. Yep. Interesting time we go we're going into uh and that's kind of where i am like right now it's like you know resident 7 is out right now i've been waiting to play that game since it was announced at e3 this past year and uh i definitely i i want to play more of that game but as soon as i get done playing that game i still got final fantasy 15 to play (laughs) probably hopefully if i'm if i'm done with the game or not horizon zero dollars gonna come out and then as soon as i a few days later, fucking Switch comes out with Breath of the Wild. Like, there is a lot of shit going on, and I love that idea. The fact that, like, the first nine months, eight months of the year is not, like, just dead space for video games. Like, it's, it's not just E3 and June, and then games come out between August and December. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's always good to see games other than dead space come out at the beginning of the year. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm sorry, like I just this, had to do that. I fucking love Dead Space. Dead Space One, Two. That was that was a dad joke. If there ever was a dad joke, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but like this past year, like the Last Guardian was my game of the year of 2016. That's how much I love Gas Last Guardian. That came out December 6th. You know, they, uh, I think uh, Final Fantasy 15 came out the week after, or the same week of. So uh, it is definitely like even December isn't like a bad time of the year to release video games. Maybe sales wise, but like it doesn't mean that your game is bad if it comes out in December. Uh, Final Far Cry Three came out like the week before Christmas, so yep, that was a great uh, game. Like Far Cry Three is fantastic. You know, Far Cry Four is really good. Uh, that game is I fucking love Far Cry Four. Uh, nothing gets doesn't get much better than shooting a fucking uh, a, a cage open and a bear or a fucking tiger comes out and kills everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty oh, dope. Yeah. yeah, but um. That is kind of a uh, not a lot of news going on right now. Uh, pretty much going on this week is obviously uh, Mass Effect. We're getting closer to that. About six weeks out from that, uh, Prey. About ten weeks out, nine weeks out from that. Uh, it is definitely an exciting time. It's never a dull moment in video games. Uh, like we've been talking about the last few minutes. Did you guys see that they announced a new packs? Yes, for the they whole tabletop things. PAX Unplugged in exactly. November in Philadelphia. It's like a whole aspect where you can do like tabletop RPGs and all this other stuff too. It's it sounds really interesting. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of dope. 
Is it it's all yeah, tabletop it's, it, stuff or is it? I think it's November November tenth. I think is the date. I, I could be wrong, but it's in November. But yeah, it's it's uh it's called Pax Unplugged, and it's basically all about uh, tabletop games and and you know non digital you know games. Uh, that's the focus of this show, and it's in Philadelphia uh, in November. So yeah, new packs to look forward cool. to. Cool. We need one more. Like, what is that, the fifth one right. now? Five? Uh, yeah, so you've got West, East, South. Australia. And Australia. So yeah, this will be the fifth. Wow. But my, my goal one year is to, my goal has always been for the show, is to do one on PAX, uh, PAX Prime. Yep. With with uh, Gables, I want to do one in person with Gables. Oh yeah. So I fun. went to the I went to the first Pack South two years ago. Uh, that was pretty dope. That was actually my first like big video game convention sort of thing. I will be at Pax East this year, and if all else, all works well, I will be uh, either living in the Pacific Northwest or working in the games industry. So I will have no problem making it to a Pax West. There you go. <laughs> I, I would love to go every year. But if I could go to one, I'd be more than happy. I'd die happy, man, if I could go to one. Oh, I'd be the happiest. Just try to go and just visit a big old gaming convention like PAX or something like that. I live the closest out of God. everyone, but it's like I can never get to it because I don't have the time, the money, and all of a sudden the badges are like sold out really quick. Yeah, that's, the one that's, that's a tough one. That's what South was, you know, I got, I went to the inaugural year, uh, and even this year, uh, they I know up until like yesterday they had still had Friday and Sunday badges available. So it's, it's not to the point where like East or West where all of the badges sell out within, you know, minutes of going on sale. So that's yeah. actually kind of nice. That's my biggest complaint with like the PAX West and East is like, they don't announce when the tickets go on sale. They just kind of go on sale and it's like, Oh, they're gone now. It's like, well, fuck you. Cause it's, I kind of want to go. And I <laughs> There's a lot of demand. Yeah. It's like, there's a high demand for this. And you don't tell me, don't get much of a demand to go like when this the tickets going on sale yeah it's like now i gotta pay fucking craigslist scalper prices to go. scalper yeah. prices yeah like now i gotta pay twice the price to go to your fucking gaming convention in a lot of ways, when you go to like uh, PAX West or PAX, PAX East, there's so much going on around the event that like even attending the actual trade show, it may not even be like the draw. Like there's plenty of stuff to do, you know, around the event, uh, parties and everything like that. Like you can probably definitely be entertained for the weekend even without actually having a pass to go to the show. Oh, that's a point. Kind of E3 is turning into now, like EA and doing their own side stuff. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, it, it, not at that level. Like, everything is still going to be at the show, but, like, they have, like, parties and, and, uh, and you know, meetups and stuff like that that are outside of the show that you don't necessarily have to have uh, a pass to get into the to the show proper. But, yeah, it's it, – it, I really enjoyed PAX South. It was, it was a really cool experience, you know, all the cosplay. And, I mean, it was just, like, there was something for everyone there. They had the, the show floor that had all the you know, new indie games and stuff that you could play. At the time when I went, the, the new 3DS was the new hotness. And nice. it was cool to be able to check that out and see how the uh, the 3D tracks your eyeballs and everything like that. Um, then they, got, they had the whole tabletop section. Uh, upstairs, they had a room full of consoles. And you just, you know, borrow a console and, and play whatever game. They had classic games and arcade games and... You know all the panels and everything like that. It's it's kind of a really cool experience for sure, uh, and I'm really looking forward to going to PAX East this year. Uh, although I think it's going to be on a whole nother level versus, especially the very first PAX South was. What is is that like? Early March? Is it? Uh, yeah, 
I think so. I fly out of El Paso on March 8th uh, to fly into New York City, and then we're driving up to Boston. So uh, that's nice, though, because the Switch comes out on the 3rd, so I'll have Zelda to play on there my you flight go. and <laughs> throughout the whole <laughs> trip. That so, sounds amazing. Great timing. Per- yeah, perfect. Don't stay playing it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's work- it didn't work out well. I would have been really depressed if it came out like the week after. I'd be like, man, this would have been a great opportunity. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I yeah, that's definitely, that's always going to be a goal of mine is to like go to a PAX Prime or a PAX of some sort. Maybe because I want to see Gables drink. That's, oh, that's all I want to see in my life. Gables one day. <laughs> you want to see me drink. I mean, uh, day, I'm Gables, kind of the designated driver here. <laughs> where one day you and I are going to get drunk together. I'll buy, a, I'll buy, the, I'll pay the Uber. I'll oh, I know you will. I'll pay the cab <laughs> of the Uber. I'll go fuck. One day, Gables, you and I are going to get drunk together. Maybe we'll make love. I don't know. We'll oh, no. <laughs> it's gonna be his. Know. It's gonna be his new second best uh, homosexual experience. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's gonna, it's gonna what, surpass. What's with this red hair in my mouth? What? <laughs> yeah, it's gonna it's gonna surpass, surpass that time Justin kissed me after he beat Luigi's Mansion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways. Uh, that's kind of, I guess that's going to be the show for the week. Uh, I want to thank you guys so much for kind of joining us in this, the reboot of the Gen Gaming slash Junk Nesters podcast. Um, some big, uh, some changes have been made in our social media websites. Uh, if you want to hear more from us, if you haven't already joined us or following us on these sites, uh, on Facebook, we are, we were previously Gen Gaming Podcast. Now we are Drunk Dash Nerds Podcast. So if you're already following us or like us on there or joined us on there, you're still there. But if not, that's how that's going to find us. Uh, so follow us on our page and our group, uh, Drunk Dash Nerds. On uh, uh, Twitter, we are Drunk Nerds Pod. Um, so follow us on there. Uh, we are formerly Gen Gaming Pod. So if you already were following us, you're still following us. If not, Drunk Nerds Pod. Checks out on there on um, uh, YouTube. We changed the uh, YouTube channel from Gen Gaming Podcast to Drunk Dash Nerds. Uh, so, so I guess subscribe to us on there, and uh, with the podcast also goes up on the on the YouTube channel. So, like the uh, the video by clicking on uh, Gable's junk. Uh, he greatly <laughs> appreciates that. He loves it when you click on his junk and click like. Uh, so do that, please, and also subscribe. And on Twitch, this is the one channel we did have to change, uh, where I wasn't able to change the name. We were previously Gen Gaming Podcast. We are now Gen our uh, Drunk Nerds Podcast. Uh, so check us out on there. Follow, subscribe. I'm not sure what it is. I'm pretty sure it's subscribe. Whatever, whatever the interaction of choice for that platform is. <laughs> yes, do that thing. Click that button. I think so. I think on Twitch you can follow and subscribe, but I yep. think subscribing is like almost like a Patreon sort of thing where you actually kick down some money to the to the person who's streaming. Uh, following is oh. basically like they'll get notifications when you go live and stuff like that. So right, yeah. Like, <laughs> well, I have like, we have friends on our, our our Twitch account, so with other. Uh, Twitch streaming channels. So uh, Twitch is confusing to me. Uh, but <laughs> just go to our Twitch channel. Just go to twitch.tv. Just do what you need to do. Yeah, and then just search Drunk Nerds Podcast. There's a Drunk Nerds page on their uh, account, but that hasn't been used in years. Ignore that one. 
I don't know what the password is. Jake set it up. He doesn't know what it is either. So I just took up Druckner's podcast, and that's our current one. That's our new, brand new one. We are going to be doing a bunch of uh, streaming through there. As always, Justin does a shit ton of streaming on his, uh, whenever he plays PS4. He actually beat Resident Evil 7 on uh, on uh, Twitch uh, and played the entire game on that. So that will be up on our Twitch account and also YouTube. So check us out on there. Like those videos. Once again, click on Gable's junk. He loves it. It feels so good to him when you do that. But anyways, thanks again once again for listening. I hope you guys didn't mind the name change. And if you're joining us for the first time as Drunk Nationals, I hope you guys join again next week. Uh, we got some good, more exciting news coming on. Uh, we are talking about some things. We're discussing new things. Uh, about some fun future stuff we'll do with our other accounts and just and there's also an iTunes account. Uh, once again, thank you for listening. I was Tyler. Yeah, this is supposed to be our cue to say I was Troy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I have been Colonel Gables. So until next week, everyone. GG or as this case, DN. <laughs> Do I drink a beer now? Because usually when we say GG, I say Alan. I don't know how it's going. I don't want to it. I'm going to drink a beer. Yeah. So. Talk to you guys. Bye. Peace out.